Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. You guys can just uh, the slides up there, the scriptures. So this is from, I think it's from the NI, oh no, from the ESV. From First Timothy 4, verse 6 to 16. Now, um, the whole, both books of First and Second Timothy, or letters from First and Second Timothy, are written to Timothy, who was also ordained by Paul as a as a pastor and minister in, in the church in Ephesus, but um, I, I like this part because it's it's. Um, so I want to encourage you to go and read it, especially Louis, you and Kat, go and go and read it. But I think all of us can read it uh, because all of us are ministers of Christ Jesus um, in different capacities. So one Timothy four verse from verse six says, "If you put these things before the brothers or." probably more accurately, the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. The NIV says a good minister of Christ Jesus. Being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of fuller acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you, for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And I just want to very briefly um, share a few thoughts from the Scripture. And, and, and the first thing is, it, it, it says there in the beginning in verse 6, if you put these things before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant or minister of Christ Jesus. And, I mean, that's, that's what Louis um, wants to be. He wants to be a good minister of Christ Jesus. So in one sense, I'm ministering this to him. But even in the book of Timothy, it's written to Timothy, but it's written in the presence of all the people. So at the end of, of 1 Timothy... It says, may the grace of God be with you all. You plural. You, y'all. Okay? <laughs> and, and just like Paul speaks to Timothy in the presence of everyone, because what is true for Timothy is true for everyone. So I'm also speaking to Louis, but in the presence of everyone, because what is true of 
Louis is also true of everyone. We all want to be good ministers or servants of Christ Jesus. And, and the first thing that we need to be reminded of is, is the, that the word minister literally means servant. I mean, that's something that we, we need to hear. Um, in other words, positions or titles, that's not what it's about in the kingdom. It should never be about titles and positions. Because being a pastor, the importance is it's a functional position. It's an opportunity to serve. Okay? And we need to hear that. I mean, sometimes I wish, you know, someone would go and tell the ministers in parliament <laughs> that the word minister literally means servant. Because the reality is many, many of them have forgotten it. And many of us in the church tend to forget it as well. It's not just people in Parliament to forget that. We, we all tend to forget that, that, that the word minister means servant, and th that the only way to minister is to serve. The only way you can minister to your family is to serve them. The only way you can minister to your colleagues or to your friends is to serve them. The only way you can minister to your small group is to serve them. And It's important to realize that that is true for, for, for people like me or like Louis or like a small group facilitators or whatever who have official positions, but it's true for everyone, whether you're in the band or whether you're not, whether, whether anyone knows the ministry that you're doing or not, you are a minister, okay? Um, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says... Uh, Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the so-called fivefold ministry. I always remember it, you know, the, the, the apostle is like the thumb, or, or the, the teacher, let's, let's start with the teacher, is like the, the pinky finger, the little one that can reach into the difficult-to-reach places and correct the, the wrongs. The pastor is like the, the ring finger, you know, the, he's the relationship guy, you know. The, the, the evangelist is like the, the middle finger. It's the longest one because he goes the furthest to, to share the gospel. The, the prophet is like the index finger because he says, Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> and then the apostle is like the thumb. The thumb can touch the other fingers because the apostle can, can do other, all of the others as well. So the fivefold ministry. But then it says something very interesting that we tend to miss. God gave that fivefold ministry, the mentors, not to do the work of the ministry, but to equip the saints for works of ministry. Okay? Now, who are the saints? You know, un under a sort of Roman Catholic influence, some people will think, oh no, Mother Teresa, or Saint Augustine, or those guys who have been sainted by the Pope, they're saints. But that's not, that, that's the Roman Catholic meaning, but that's not the biblical meaning. The biblical meaning is holy ones. Okay? And it's all Christians. And you might say, but hang on, Annie, you don't know me that well. I'm not so holy. <laughs> Granted, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're not that holy, and maybe I'm not perfectly holy either. I'm not. But we, we're holy on three levels as Christians. There's positional holiness, there's progressive holiness, and then there's perfected holiness. All of us are holy positionally because positionally we're in Christ, the Holy One. Okay? So all of us are already positionally perfectly holy, and that's the reason why we can come before God and pray to Him and worship Him uh, and, and, he, and be acceptable to him because when he looks at us, he sees us in Christ and he sees us therefore like Christ. Positionally, you are as holy as Christ is. 
perfectly holy. Okay? But then there's progressive holiness, where your actual behavior and, 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 uh, and your person catches up with your position. <laughs> That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is becoming who you already are. That's it, you know? And progressively becoming in behavior and lifestyle and thought and, and heart as holy as you are in, in your position in Christ. And then there's perfected holiness. That's when Christ returns. It says, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed to become like him. Our holiness will be perfected. Okay, so when it says holy ones, the, the fivefold ministry is given to equip the saints, the holy ones for the work of ministry. That means all of us. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a saint. Some spouses are looking at this, brothers like. <laughs> um, so, all of us need to be equipped to do the work of ministry or the work of serving. But notice it says here, if you do these things, if you uh, put these things before the brothers, and these things are the whole book of First Timothy, and and I'll Second Timothy in for free. Um, if you go, so go and read this, and if you, it says, if you put these things in this letter, if you put this before the brothers and sisters, if you hold it before the saints, then you'll be a good servant or good minister of Christ Jesus. And that's probably one of the most important things that we need to know if we want to be good ministers, is that we are first and foremost ministers and therefore servants, not primarily of one another, but of Christ Jesus. Now, now, there's a subtle difference here, but an important difference. Leaders, ministers in the church, are not called to directly minister to the people, to, or to be ministers or servants of the people. They've, they're called to be ministers of Christ Jesus. So if you're a minister, you're first and foremost a minister and a servant of Christ Jesus. Um, and I think of it in this way. Um, let me put it to you this way. If, if you are a servant of the people, you won't necessarily be a servant of Jesus. But if you are a servant of Christ Jesus, you will definitely be a servant of the people. Okay? Think of it in this way. I always think of this, you know, fancy, you know, house, estate. You come to the door and you knock on the door. And some other butler, you know, inevitably with a British accent, opens up and says, Good day. <laughs> how, may I, how may I help you? And then you say, I've come to see you know, um, Mr. So-and-so, and he says, the master is taking tea in the drawing room. Please do come in. <laughs> and then he'll take your coat, and he'll hang it up, and he'll lead you to, to a comfortable place, and he'll say, may I serve you with a cup of tea or something, you know? And he'll serve you. The butler will serve you, but he's not your servant. He's the servant of the master, but because he's the servant of the master of the house, he serves the guests of the master of the house. Okay, And so Jesus is the master of the kingdom and of this house. And by being his servant, he tells us as his servants to serve one another. But we're serving him and we serve one another in service of him. Okay, So that's important for us to realize. Because if you try and be a servant of people, you'll do what people want you to do. And what people want you to do, how people want you to serve you, 
we as people don't always know what's best for us. But if you're a servant of Christ Jesus, you'll sometimes do things, you'll serve, sometimes serve people in ways they don't want to be served, but in ways they need to be served. We'll serve one another in that way. Okay? And I'm, obviously there's a, too much in this passage for me to share in a, um, in, in a short while, but I just want to um, highlight a, a few things. In, in verse 11... What, what is what does being a good minister, good servant, what does good ministry entail? Um, and what I'm going to share now is all across the scripture, but I just want to highlight it from one portion of it. In verse 11 it says, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. <coughs> he mentions three things there in terms of how you serve. He says, set the believers an example in speech, in con- just keep this, uh, it up there, in speech, in conduct, and then in love, faith, and purity. Speech is speaking. Conduct is doing. And then notice, in contrast to speech and conduct which are external, you speak Externally, you act externally. Love, faith, and purity are internal. Okay? So if you want to serve and set an example, then you need to do it in word and in deed. Okay? So Christianity is not just a theory. It cannot just be in word. But, I mean, any teaching, any instruction, any training has to have theory and practice. I mean, if, if you think about, I mean, when we think about teaching or training or, 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 or that kind of stuff, uh, the, the sort of stereotypical image that comes off is of the classroom of being taught theory. But, but even in the classroom, there's not just theory. Yes, you get taught the math theory, but then you have to go and do sums and, and practice them. Yes, you get taught the music theory, but then you've got to go and practice the scales if you want to play like Timothy played. You've got to practice the scales or practice the chords, or whatever it is, and, and develop the muscle memory so that you can actually put that theory into practice. If you train to be an electrician, yes, you've got to learn some theory about, you know, amperes and volts and watts and ohms and all kinds of stuff, and you need to learn the equations, the theory of the equations, how to convert those things, but then you, you've got to go and apprentice to another Electrician who can actually show you how to strip a wire and wire a house. Otherwise, you haven't learned. Part of the learning is the theory, but the other part is the practice. And, and, and what he's saying there, what Paul is saying there is, you've, you've got to, if you want to be a good minister, you've got to do it in speech. There's got to be theory. You've got to, there's got to be teaching. But you've also got to do it in conduct. There's got to be practice. Um, let me put it this way. The gospel is good news. You know, um, it's good news about what Jesus has done to save us, not just good advice about what you must do to save yourself, right? That's one of the big differences between Christianity and every other religion, okay? So, ministry can never be less than words. I mean, poor... Um, was the guy, um, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, you know, people say, he said, always preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. <laughs> now, firstly, St. Francis never said that. 
It's attributed to him, but in actually there's no evidence that he actually said that. Secondly, if he had said that, he would have been wrong. You cannot preach the gospel without words. If the gospel were just good advice about what you must do to be saved, then, yes, you can do it through your conduct. You can minister it through your conduct. But if it's good news, news must be spoken. It must be shared. If it's good news, then you cannot preach the gospel without words. And because the gospel is good news, it's primarily a message, you have to minister it through speech. But... It's a message that have impl- has implications for all of our lives, for every part of your life. So you cannot just ministry through speech. You also have to, through conduct, show living out the implications of this good news. If Jesus is Lord, if he is Jesus, Christ Jesus, by the way, Christ is not his surname. His parents weren't Mary and Joseph Christ. Christ is his title. It means anointed king. He's the anointed king Jesus. So if, if you say Jesus is the Christ, he's the king, he's the anointed king of my life who anoints me to live life like he lived it, then there are conduct implications to the message of the gospel. Okay? And the only way that we can in, minister effectively and consistently in speech and in conduct is if we also allow that message to change our hearts. If we change in terms of our love, our faith, our purity. Okay. So, so three areas in which all of us, I'm speaking to Louis in, in, in particular, ministry in speech, ministry in, in conduct, minister in terms of your heart. But to all of us, we need to change and we need to allow the gospel to um, to affect us in all three of those lives, and we need to minister the gospel in all those areas of our lives. Now, he, he gets specific here. He says, um, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. That's the speech component. Um, there's a guy called, uh, I can remember his surname, he's Hammersmith. He says, um, exposition is the is the best evangelism. It's still true that God uses, that the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make a child of God. It's still true that the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make a child of God. And we must recognize that, that when we minister the Word, it's not our words and our ideas and our opinions that carry the authority and the power. It's God's Word. And that's why it says, give attention to the public reading of scripture as we did this morning we read the scriptures publicly but then he says it's not enough just for people to hear the word Um, aw pink says give people the sense of scripture not just the sound of scripture in other words there must be exhortation and teaching and exhortation teaching helps people understand the word it explains it to them, helps them understand it. So when we minister to people, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, wherever it is, wherever the Lord gives us an opportunity, part of what we must do is share the Scripture with them, but actually explain the Scripture to them. Tell them what it means so that they can understand it. They cannot properly respond to the Word unless they understand the Word properly. If they misunderstand it, they will misapply it. Okay, So we must correctly explain scripture to them there must be teaching but there must also be exhortation what is exhortation encouraging and explaining how to do it how to put it into practice and and encouraging and exhorting people 
to actually go and do it. Strengthening people, empowering people to be able to do it and put it into practice. So that's what um, Paul says to Timothy that you must do. And then he says, but even that, reading Scripture, teaching it, exhorting people to go and do it, is not enough. He says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given uh, to you by a prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. In other words, there was an impartation that happened. There was laying on of hands and an impartation that happens, and you received a spiritual gift. And the word therefore gift is, um, the, the plural is charismata, the singular would be charismatos. You, you received a grace gift. Charis is grace, and um, so, so, so charismatos is you received a grace gift, a gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not told what it is here in the context. But he says, it's not enough just to teach, to exhort, uh, to read Scripture. You've got to minister in the gift that was given you, the, the grace gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we know all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, faith, miracles, healings, all that kind of stuff are examples of gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying is the church is not just a place. It's a place where, where, where the, the Word of God, the Bible, Scripture is central, but, but where ministry goes beyond just that. And, you know, I read a, um, a guy who was talking about the Holy Spirit, Gordon Fee, um, and I mentioned this before. And, and, you know, he said something, but he said it in such a way that really grabbed me and really made me realize, sit up and take notice. He said, so often the experience of the Holy Spirit is so lacking in many modern churches. The manifestation of the Spirit is so lacking in many modern churches that if Paul were to walk into one of those churches, he would not even recognize them as Christian and as being in line with what the churches that he planted. Because in Paul's churches, he, he says, you know, desire spiritual gifts. You know, do not forbid people. Do not despise prophecy. Do not quench the spirit. And he commands the, the leaders in churches, you know, don't neglect your gift. Let, let me just make this a little bit practical. Because I, I, <laughs> the reality is many of us do neglect our gifts. Come on, let's face up. <laughs> Many of us do neglect our gifts. And I just want to highlight two ways in which we often neglect our gift. Number one is by not knowing what our gift is. If you don't know what your grace gift is, then you're by definition going to neglect it because you don't know what it is, so you can't really put it into practice. Right? So my question to you, and I'm not saying this at all by, as condemnation, I'm saying it as encouragement. If you don't know what your gift is, then find out. Make sure that along with your small group and the people that you're walking the road with, that you find out. And, and the best way to find out is to serve. Serve in different places and then, then you'll discover and the Lord will show you. And listen to what other people say. They'll often tell you what your gift is when you don't know what it is. Okay? But find out what your gift is because if you don't know what your gift is, then you're going to neglect it. Okay? And secondly, often we neglect our gifts because we sort of in a form of false humility, we say, oh, my gift's not that great. You know, other people have greater gifts, so I'm going to sort of stand back and let other people do the ministry, you know, in terms of the gifts, because, you know, I'm, I'm not so confident, or I don't know, and I'm, but 
that's seeing it in the wrong way because your gift is not just you ministering to people. It's the Holy Spirit ministering to people through you. So I want to encourage you, find out what your gift is. God would not have put you in this church if this church didn't need your gift. Find out what your gift is. Use your gift. Don't neglect it. Okay? Um, and then he says, and I want to close with this, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So what Paul says is, he's saying, if you're going to minister, if you're serious about being a good minister of Christ Jesus, who, minister, who serves Christ Jesus by ministering to his people and to other people, then the first person that you need to minister to is yourself. Okay? I mean, we all, all of us who, who sometimes go on, on aeroplanes, we, we know that part, you know, when they're sort of preparing to take off, when the poor, you know, hostesses have to come up and say, you know, give that little demonstration and say, okay, there are the, the exit doors and, and, and under your seat there's like a life jacket and you, this is how you, and hardly anyone ever listens to them because you've heard it so many times, you know, you sort of, you know, it goes out. But one of the things they often say is, you know, in the unlikely event of the loss of cabin pressure, <laughs> then, you know, a mask, uh, an oxygen mask will fall from the roof and you just need to pull it and, and put it on. And then they specifically say, first put on your own mask before you help others. First put on your own mask, your own oxygen mask, before you help others. Because if you try and help the child next to you, Halfway through helping, trying to help them get their mask on, you're going to black out and lose consciousness because of lack of oxygen, and then someone else is going to have to come along and help you and the child. <laughs> so what Paul is saying to Timothy is the same thing. He's saying, first put on your own mask. Um, I, I once talked to a... I spoke to a, um, a, a guy who was a pastor, a church planter, but he came out of a a background of, of, you know, selling drugs and stuff. And he said the golden rule when it comes, you know, to the drug industry and selling drugs is don't use your own product. <laughs> don't get addicted to, your, to the drugs that you sell. Well, in the kingdom, it's the other way around. In the kingdom, you've got to smoke what you sell. <laughs> if you want to be a dealer in the gospel... If you want to sell that pill to people, the gospel, okay, you've got to smoke what you sell. <laughs> okay, if you want to be a dealer, you've got to be a user <laughs> of the gospel. Not, not, not of drugs, but of this drug, <laughs> of the gospel. So that's what Paul is saying is allow the gospel to affect your heart, your speech, your conduct, so that you can then be a faithful minister, a good minister, to others in those areas. And that means, just to go back to the first verse, it says, you know, if you put these things before the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant or minister of Christ Jesus. The only way you can be a good minister of Christ Jesus is if you experience Christ Jesus ministering to you. Remember, Jesus said, I did not come, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
unless you allow Jesus to minister to you, you cannot minister to others. In other words, you've got to, you've got to see how Jesus came to serve you, how, how he humbled himself. And I mean, Jesus didn't just come from some other... I mean, I always think about it in this way. If, if, some, if, if, if you know, some other king or president or, or you know, pop star or movie star or someone came to visit us, I mean, we'd be very honored. We'd clean out our house. We'd put our best foot forward. We'd try and serve the best food we can. Just do everything to, to really receive them and honor them. And, I mean, they're just people. How much more Jesus, who didn't just, who's not just an exceptional person, but who's God himself who came from all the way from heaven, from the throne of heaven down to earth. And he came not primarily to be served, but to come and serve us. He humbled himself that much. And he said, it specifies in Mark 10, at the end of Mark 10, he, he, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is the price that you pay in the slave market to buy a slave, a slave's freedom, to ransom the slave, to buy their freedom. And he gave his life that he says he gave his life as a ransom for many. In other words, when you see how much it cost Jesus to serve you and to minister to you and how much he had to humble himself and how much he was willing to humble himself to minister to you, then it will empower you and enable you to humble yourself to minister to other people and by doing that being a good minister and servant of Christ Jesus. But you've got to experience that on a daily basis to be able to give that on a daily basis. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.